we have to be seen but not seen. We have to be close enough to help, be skilled enough to help, um, but we don't want to raise the profile of our protectees. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. The Grey Professional and EP. Today, Elijah Shaw and myself delighted to be introducing a roundtable discussion that we had hosted by Samaritan Protective Services just the other week in Virginia. And let me let me list this, okay? Let me list this. Before we go into the topic, who was on this roundtable? We had Brandon Shafakani, Samaritan Protective Services. They were the host. And then we had Chuck Randolph. We had Nathan Ackerman. We had Chris Coleman. We had Joe Otera. We had Treston Wheat. We had Kevin Dye. We had Lauren Weigand. We had Anthony Barone, Andrew Bellman, Steve Hernandez, and we had Mike Phoebus. And we had Robert Rawson. In no particular order, I'm just looking at them on screen as we did it. <laughs> what a big group, Elijah. I mean, I'm telling you, this is kind of like, well, I could either use the analogy of Knights at the Round Table, although that's a really, really big table, or the Avengers. So, you know, you, there's, there's, some, there's some heavy hitters in there. Uh, there's some 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 different sectors and backgrounds, so that was a that was an all star cast, I would say. And oh, oh, thank you, but you know, I was just relieved we all made it into the same place at the same time. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you, you know what what I really wanted to focus on um, was, you know, how do we modernize EP? And I wanted mm -hmm. to do it through a series of discussions. And, and and the first one, which we recorded specifically for the Circuit Magazine podcast, was the Grey Professional. Now, everybody had an opinion, and some people took it in a variety of different ways. Like, for me, mm -hmm. I imagined the debate would have focused on OPSEC, but it's, it's a lot broader than that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, I, I remember we, you and I, we had a uh, a podcast recently, kind of discussing that and some of the alternate opinions of it. But one of the things that I think is that that most would agree on is that even when we're talking about gray, we're talking about shades of gray and mm. nuances within that. So you know, uh, we kind of settled on that term, the, the the gray professional, to make the distinction between something being black and white. But now we're even inside gray, we, we're, we're talking about these uh, maybe gradient textures, you know, where where we kind of go back and forth upon the spectrum in, in, in that particular color. And that's maybe the skill of the professional, because, you know, you, you might want someone that looks like your accountant sitting next to you one time. But then mm -hmm. when something else happens, you want them to be able to transform, to flex, to become something else. And, you know, we did talk about where it's necessary not to be gray, perhaps. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe you can speak to this in the world of some celebrity protection where the visibility is important. I mean, is that mm -hmm. an urban myth? Um, do, do, you know, do some celebrities genuinely want the visible security? Well, I mean, it's definitely not a myth. You know, there are in terms of schools of thought, there's overt protection and then there's covert protection. And a lot of times when we, we discuss the quote unquote gray, we're talking more about the covert side mm. of the industry. But but there's, an, there's a segment of the marketplace 
that requires just based off of how they interact with with the public uh, and and their particular brands that requires an overt presence. And I guess the you know the most notable of that would be kind of that celebrity sector because they're so forward facing and they and the the very essence of their brand requires them to interact by and large with the public where those concentric rings of protection in some cases have to be much more pronounced. Now that makes sense. And, and, and I guess that, you know, there, there will be other sectors as well. Uh, What Mm -hmm. what about, what about the idea that it's not about OPSEC so much. It's about not being the bodyguard, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. it's, it's about being gray enough to blend in, uh, but but maybe not suddenly believe that you too are a billionaire. Well, <laughs> true. I, I I think again that speaks to the fact that we you know during this conversation, uh, the distinguished men and women around the table kind of drilled in into those nuances. So most time when you think the great professional, you, you you're thinking, you know, visually how they look or you know how, how how they stand out or how they blend in but the other piece of that is is the mindset of the individual and that mindset has to be if if you use an analogy of a car it has to be a neutral you know it has to be uh able to blend and shift and mold and give information but not too much information or not be opinionated but also not be a robot where then the the protect goes you know what do I have this person here that's dumb as a box of rocks for? So it's the mindset, which I think is, is extremely important. And again, relating it back to, to some of the individuals at the table there, they've been in different sectors of the marketplace where they've had to deal with that and navigate those spaces. So you take someone like Joe Torre, who interfaces with these corporate executives and their support staff, and they might have preconceived notions of what they want their security to be or, or not to be. And you're able to take that distill that and be able to kind of transmit that back to the client so that they get what they want, but we're also providing the services that we need to provide. Love it. And and yeah, that visual and internal uh, dynamic, I think we'll, we'll see play out throughout the session. But yes, what an opportunity. Of course, you know, we, we run lots of events and, you know, this is something- No, bro, can... you run lots of ah. events, which is extremely ah. impressive, just so you know. Like, I don't know how you do it, man. <laughs> well, I, I want to be inclusive. Thank you. Um, and, and and I do enjoy it. And I, and, I, and I enjoy the fact that we've been able to capture something of real value to the protector community. And here we present it back to you. This will be Grey Professionals, hosted by Samaritan Protected Services, which was held live as a roundtable discussion just the other week in Virginia. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. Welcome, everybody, and thank you very much to our very gracious host, Samaritan Protective Services. Um, it's uh, great to be here in this wonderful facility. We are excited to do two things. One is for now, one is for later. Uh, now, we want to have uh, a very good roundtable discussion series of on three key topics that are very near and dear to the heart of the industry. But later, this is, of course, being recorded, and 
we want it to serve as a piece of content to remember where we are in this debate and where we're going to uh, where we're going to go. Because far too often, you know, you, you'll see people have a discussion. It was a discussion. That's it. Um, I think we've got a. Can we go around this wonderful and very large numbered room and tell everybody who we are and uh, what 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 we do? I tell you what. I start with Brandon because he's the host. If you introduce yourself, and then we work our way around. Uh, Brandon Chastani, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Samaritan Protective Services. My name is Mike Bevis. I am the Chief Operating Officer of Samaritan. Steve Hernandez, I'm with the North Group. Nathan Ackerman, CEO of Riley Risk. Chris Coleman, CEO of Red 5. Joe Otero, CEO of Vehicle Dynamics Institute. Uh, Dr. Truxton Wheat, Red Team Analyst, Milestone Technologies. Uh, Kevin and I work for a Fortune 20 company. Lauren Whitehand, CEO of Soteria and Shield. Anthony Barone, CEO of Emergility Protective Medicine. Chuck Randolph, I'm with Antic and I'm the president of VIPSP. And Andy Bellman, UK Operations Director for Samaritan. Fantastic. Okay, so this is a great group, an august group, and actually this is wonderful to have this group here ahead of tomorrow's event where many of you, if not all of you, are speaking. But what if we could make a difference? What if tomorrow on our panel we could say, as per our conversation yesterday, dot, dot, dot. Now I know that some of you are leading your own panels. I know that Chuck you are and Tristan you are. Um, what would be really, really nice is if we can really relate that to the group that we've actually thought through. Because we often have pre-conference calls, but what if we can push the needle a, a little bit? Now, with this larger number, this isn't a panel. This is roundtable discussion. So whilst I really want to go around the room make sure everyone's heard, feel free to jump in with your own perspectives, and we'll see how we can do it. We've got three topics to make the event hopefully a great success. We've got the gray professional, because there's a lot of people throwing out ideas about how uh, we are or are not discreet, how certain generations are more or less discreet, and technology that can help. We've got another one on protected mobility that includes Medivac, and then we've got another one about EP modernization. So we'll, we'll have a, a teeny break in between all of them, but they should be short and lively, but with a view to saying tomorrow, aha, we have done some preparation. So, the great professional, it's a topic that many people keep on talking about on social media, very ironically. Um, I guess, why don't we start there and say, what is the problem that we think people are adhering to, not adhering to, before we delve into the reality, the ground truth? I tell you what, let me start with you, Chris, because I have to start somewhere, and I think this could be good. Um, <laughs> what is the problem that we might want to solve? I, I think the things that I've seen over the years and of the great professional is that we have to be seen but not seen. We have to be close enough to help, be skilled enough to help, um, but we don't want to raise a profile of our protectees. We don't want to create risk, obviously. So how do we operate in that mode? How are we, how are we only visible to those uh, that need to see us? Uh, how are we invisible perhaps to the press? How are we invisible to other groups? In a deterrence mode, you may need to be seen by if you know there's somebody out there doing something. Uh, can't even measure that. But too often, when I'm interviewing or I'm looking to put people on teams or or I'm talking to clients about what they're trying to do with their teams, it's it's this thing. Hold that. I want them large. I want them 
you know, uh, imposing, and I come back and I want nimble, smart, great professional. There when you need you. But all of all times we come into it, it's like I've got 17 certifications. I can kung fu you to death. I can kill a million people. I've kicked in doors around the world. Great. You have the common sense to not let the client step into the street when they should. And so to me, a great professional is somewhere in the common sense, critical thinking, staying out of the limelight. And I like that because that frames the debate, doesn't it? Because yes, you want to be not the best bud or the bodyguard. Yes, you don't want to stick out unless maybe you're in celebrity and that's sort of your thing. But on the other hand, there is another aspect to this, isn't it? It's a criticism of younger generations for sharing too much whilst on operations. So there's OPSEC, and then there's how you behave and maybe not assume uh, familiarity too much and, 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 and go out there. Um, I wonder, Lauren, do, do you have any thoughts on this? Is this a real issue? Do, do you find people are actually just spilling the beans, or are they actually quite considerate? I think it comes with the training of the professional, right? And the relationships that they've uh, developed with their protectee. Um, I think being able to highlight the importance of discretion and not highlighting where you're going to be is, is obviously critical. Um, one of the things that I like to uh, talk to my VP clients is about the ability to uh, create a network of kind of assets in your sphere of influence. Uh, that can kind of help be your eyes and ears when you can't be there 24-7. Um, so maybe that's speaking a little bit more towards the gray area of, of what we're getting at. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that unless it's blatantly clear to your protectee that they need to be a little bit more mindful of OPSEC, they're going to they're gonna want to, you know, highlight themselves and create more problems from the EP perspective. I like that because, again, now we've widened it, it's the grey protectee as well. Um, uh, Chuck, uh, in conversation with Chloe Protection, I think you've, you've, you've talked about the grey professional um, at, at different stages. Why, why is this still a topic? Well, I, you're going to hear the word, and it's, you know, convergence is kind of an old word that's coming back that people are talking about now. Inflection point is, I think, another thing we're going to hear over and over and over again. In fact, I think we're at an inflection point here because many of us in the room, we didn't grow up with phones. So being a great professional, the quiet professional, is kind of beaten into us, if you will. But now we have this catch-22 or whatever the right word to put on it is, where we have a, a generation of people, and I just came from training some folks, we have a generation of people that were born with this in their, their hand, the phone, social media, they want jobs, they're looking and they're being their perspectives on the industry are being formed by what they see. Now, I'm an old information operations professional, and words have meaning, images have meaning as well. And I think the, the fear is that when I see someone on social media, that is how the bodyguard is. When I see someone, you know, that must be how it is, therefore I need to get out there and do the same thing. My fear is, and I think it goes back to maybe training is the answer, is we lose the ability to understand that fine line between this is me at rest and there's nothing of me at work, but then also helping, there's a legal aspect of this as well, helping the, this new generation of folks realize that, look, everything that you've done in perpetuity lives in perpetuity and can be used against you in a court of law or anything else. But, you know, I feel like these are things everyone in this room is like, no kidding, 
but it's not going away. We can't we can't put it back into a box. So we need to figure out how to get our arms around it and help people to realize. Which is why I think you see the great professional trending as a hashtag, if you will. And that yeah, it, it puts it back on social media. But I don't know, maybe, maybe Steve, um, like, what what is a young professional to do? They want a job, so they need some kind of, they want to be noticed. I think a lot of it is about uh, discipline. I think there's, there's your practitioner and then there's your leader in the industry. And I think to to practice, um, you know, you, you have to understand leadership, but you also have to, you know, practice to get to leadership. And I think that's the issue. A lot of younger people, they come out of military service, law enforcement, they want to go directly into a management leadership role. But the fundamentals of a, of a good protector is, you know, things like, you know, we're speaking a lot of behavioral threat assessments right now. Understanding how to do a behavioral threat assessment, how to understand facts for increased threat ratios, how to dig into social media, how to build a complex case when somebody's harassing your principal or stalking your principal, um, and go through these things because not everybody has an analyst team at their back. Not everybody has that resource. Not every client has that funding mechanism. Um, we got some great red team professionals in here, red teaming these protectees, teaching these young operators what that looks like from a practitioner level on how to red team your own, you know, BS for that matter, right? No, that's a great point too. And as part of the great profession, many people in the industry, you know, are individual contributors. We're looking, working for someone who's working for someone who's working for someone. And if you think about that pipeline again, because we're now. We've been born with technology and the idea of OSINT in research. I also, I, just saying like I'm the body person no longer is going to cut it. You know, you have to be able, like you say, if you don't know behavioral threat assessment, if you don't know the, the rudimentaries of red teaming, OSINT searching, assessment, you're, you're quickly becoming a dinosaur. Well, and the threats are evolving too, I think, right? So, you know, we, we're dealing in, in an era where one wrong word or, or move at a party by a principal could be, you know, the, the rise and fall of stock price. Mm -hmm. It could be it could be the differentiator between, you know, family legacy money being affected in, in litigation, right? And I think the other thing a lot of young practitioners don't understand is there's four reasons people hire us. Legal liability, financial liability, life safety liability, and insurance liability. That's why people need security, want security. So at the end of the day, how do you quantify that? How do you quantify that from a value proposition standpoint to the customer? Everybody thinks they're worth 1200 bucks a day to do executive protection, but what are you bringing to the table? And I think that's what a lot of younger people need to understand. I, I don't care about somebody that can shoot well. You're just a liability as a CEO of a company, right, and, and a stakeholder in that company. I'm worried about getting sued, as is, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's I think, anybody who's a, who's a principal, right, um, they're not sitting in front of the judge when, and there was an incident, we all, we all know the one in Colorado, where it was an unarmed detail, and the agent had a weapon, and that weapon ended up getting discharged. And the practitioner, the owner of that company, had substantial loss. And he's a great practitioner, a great company. A lot of, I believe a lot of us have used him over the years. And, mm -hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, a manager didn't relay something to the, to the you know, the, uh, the practitioner, and the practitioner ended up doing something that ultimately cost him his license, and, and ultimately, so it all goes back to legal liability for me. If you want to be, if you want to work for us, you got to understand the legal liability, the insurance liability, the life safety liability, and and ultimately the financial liability that all three of those things are going to incur.
Yeah, and that liability would really ring true as a business owner because it, it's, it's immediate, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's really, really obvious. Um, maybe the grey line, and maybe I'll come to Kevin, you know, surely uh, there is a need to put oneself out there in some way. That's why we, we find all these photographs of feet at airports, right? And, and that they're great because we don't necessarily know which airports and why. But there was a case a couple of years ago in the UK, uh, one uh, female operator was very heavily chastised for taking a photo uh, with a completely green, bushy background. Um, sh surely there's a happy medium between people needing to promote themselves and being grey. Well, there's a... I've only been in this career field for four years, and I came from a career field where if you used social media, you'd be fired. Okay? Um, what I've found since I've been in this career field, unfortunately, is that there is a disconnect. There's, a, there's actually a, a, a group of people I call them the 10-year group. Between 2010 and 2020, the folks that exfilled the military and uh, the protective services overseas because of contract losses have come into this field. And to promote themselves, they have to do it on social media to be separated from everyone else. A lot of this happens in California. Um, you could pick up your phone any day of the week on LinkedIn and watch a video of some dumbass doing something or making a statement about something he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, and those people are now experts because they work in an environment where um, they have made themselves experts because nobody's calling them out. Nobody, none of us here do it usually, unless it's <laughs> pretty heinous, but nobody calls them out. And, and their clientele see them and they think those people know what they're doing they're on social media, that's the person I want to get, they look cool, okay? When in fact, they back to uh, Chuck's statement, they really aren't cool, they don't have the training necessary to actually do the job, they just have a good social media presence, okay? Who was Tanya Harding's bodyguard? I can't think of the guy's name, and he was terrible, but he went to New Zealand, and he trained, and he was an expert, right. because he needed to go halfway across the globe to go find a place where he was seen as the expert. I was just trying to find this. I can't think of his name, but yeah. Sean something or other. Yeah. 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 Just, just stay on topic, though. You can be gray in this field, and nobody knows who the hell you are. And nobody here knows who I am, uh, fortunately. Um, and you can still do your job effectively on this job. And, and, but it, it requires a baseline training. It requires training. And if, you, if you're good at what you do, you don't need all that other stuff. Word of mouth will pick you up, um, and most people know that in the industry. And people kind of shy away from all those people that are doing the social media stuff because you know they know. I mean, the saying is, you, you don't know what you don't know. Well, it's true. It really is true. And um, most of the people in this room know it. You know, you can tell an operator by how they act. Well, well I was, I'm so pleased that you mentioned that the client might look favorably. I'm not pleased that they would do it, but I'm pleased that you mentioned the client might look favorably on that social media thing, because I hadn't considered that. I was thinking none of you would hire somebody that thinks they're Rambo. Um, but of course, they are being hired directly by the client. The client doesn't know any better. Right. I think it's important to note, so like Ukraine this past year, there were incidences you know, where we needed to get people out of Ukraine, and I I needed Rambo, and I and I sent Rambo you know, over there, and 
but Rambo wouldn't be the guy I put on a corporate EV detail, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's what's in your toolbox and what's not. You know, what, 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 what's your capabilities? What's your skill sets? If you're, if you're a hard skill set person, then there's a place for you. It, but you know, there's not a place in corporate security, corporate EP. Uh, if you have a principal that's traveling to Southeast Asia, you know, back in the day when there was issues going on, you know where I'm going with this, where you had, you had principals with this exact problem and you had certain transnational criminal enterprises that would target those principals, you had to have people in the country, you know, Thai SEALs, you know, folks in Southeast Asia that could, that could go to work if they needed to. Um, they're not doing threat assessments. They're not doing, they're there to, to engage a threat, you know. So I think that's the difference, right? And I think that that's not understood to Kevin's point. Digital footprinting, I mean, I look like a redneck. Well, I'm a redneck, but I look like a redneck <laughs> on social media, right? You can't tell that I own a business. You can't tell, you can't tell what I have. And, and that's kind of how we advise all of our family office clients too, all the FO clients, you know, stay, stay digitally low from a footprint standpoint. Don't, don't telegraph who you are, because what is the enemy doing? They're going on social media just like we all do to do our due diligence, and they're finding targets and marks. Can I offer a contrarian opinion? Yeah, Tristan. So I think the academic literature going from Jervis up through counterterrorism is quite clear that security is primarily about perception. Um, and I know that hard skills obviously matter, soft skills definitely matter. But I don't think we can forget that the perception that you are secure actually matters just as much as being secure. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to thread that to put out the images and the statements and, and the persona and God help me for you saying this, the brand, um, to make people believe that they will be secure by having your presence or your people's presence. But again, that, that's all fine until something bad happens. Um, you can brand all, there's brandings out here right now for lifestyles at EP. Uh, I don't know what the hell that means. You wake up in a hotel every other day, you don't know where you're at, and your life sucks. Uh, Lifestyle's an EP. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess. But, but to, to your point, you can brand all day, but if you can't back that brand up, it just takes one failure, one, and it's over. And it doesn't just hurt that person, it hurts the industry. So maybe we're talking yeah. about Rambos and wannabe Rambos. But there's the, there's the client perspective here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And everyone's thinking it, right? So it's like, you can, you can come to the client with, here are 10 great professionals. They have stayed low. They are highly trained. They are quiet. They will never be in your face. And the client will still tell you, I want Junior here to be lead. He looks tougher. And I've known him for 30 years, and he took a shooting class. He's good. So now you're dealing with a client perception. Or he's my cousin. What's the, uh, oh, yeah, it gets worse, right? It can always be worse. <laughs> it can always be worse. But that whole educating the client on the great professional concept, I mean, that took us forever with one of our biggest clients to get them over the hump. Like, what you have here is really good. I know you still see the other family down the street with, you know, the tattoos on the neck, the whole bit. And that, that may look cool to you. But you have a far better product right here. And then, oh, all right, I hear you. I'm going to trust you. I don't trust social media. I, I, I want to. I want to believe social media. I want to believe all the Rambo's out there because it looks cool and it feels cool. But I'm trusting you, Chris, because you're telling me these these ten 
men and, and women are great professionals. It goes back to trust, Chris. It is all trust. Security is a trust base. So you got to educate clients to get them over that hump. And you might trust sometimes you, you make it, sometimes you don't. You might trust you, but it'll take a while for it to believe. For, yeah. um, so, so, so maybe then, if, if we're looking at this next generation, Nathan, you know, how do how do we keep them in the game? Because as Kevin said, you know, it is holes and walls. It is uh, quite uh, grueling. Yet it might be very motivational for a manned guard who is in the mud at three a.m. to believe the myth of glamorous Rambo. Surely there's a motivation to be had. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was just thinking here. Um, you know, gray is not a color on the Cooper scale, as far as I know. <laughs> um, so if you can think of yourself as like a submarine, at some point you might need to surface to do something, but most of your mission is uh, should be underneath the water, behind the scenes. Uh, and that's a difficult concept to share with the next generation, but there's, there's a time and place to share your successes privately, perhaps, to network, I think is more important, to network with the right people. Um, to me, I think that's going to have a far greater impact to progress, you know, from that position you're seeking and growing into, rather than trying to leapfrog everyone else and be in a rush. That's a great analogy. That's, yeah, that, that's that's something we see a lot. I'm sure. You know, these young guys, as as you said, Steve, they want to be the detail leader yesterday. Absolutely, and, and that's not possible. You know, to to Chuck's point, we did grow up in a different time. There was not a picture of me in the public domain until we started VDI, and for the first five years. Even my daughter would say, it doesn't even look like you. Yeah, <laughs> because it's blurry and it's shot from a long We used to have something that if you were caught out in a picture, you had to buy beer for everyone on the detail. <laughs> and you could quickly tell who were the prima donnas on the detail <laughs> and who, who were the gray. You know, I, and I used to think, used to being five years ago, right, five out of your ten, is that this would be self-correcting, that these wannabes, these... Hollywood types would not be here five or six years down the road because growing up in this business as I did, that was the reality. You know, uh, one or two wrong placed photos, you talking about specifics about your principal or a detail you were on, and you were ostracized. And it wasn't hard to do that because it was such a small, insular community. Now, though, with social media, these people are able to perpetuate and continue to perpetuate. The challenge with training, and I know, you know, Chuck, you mentioned it, you, you've mentioned it as well, Kevin, is, and, and from the training side of the house, it's difficult to sell legitimately applicable training to a certain subset in this profession because they don't understand it. Our corporate clients and, and their security practitioners clamor for RSD, our Surveillance Detection Program. We do an open enrollment program occasionally. You don't, the people who really should be in that class aren't even interested because the tires don't squeal, nothing goes bang, you're not fighting anybody, and, and it's even difficult to market it. You know, I could put out a picture of a driving course, everyone's like, wow, look at that, that's cool. I could put out a picture of our vehicle-centric defense attacks, oh, that's cool. Now I put out a picture of an SD course, and it's the lobby of a hotel. What's cool about it? It's 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 the linchpin, I think, to success. Mm -hmm. But you're, if we're going to be gray professionals, uh, it's going to be a long, hard road to counter those who are putting themselves out in the spotlight and saying, "Look at me! Look at me! You need to do this." And it, you know, you've got to make a, a concerted effort 
One is to stay the course, right? Continue to be gray. And, and two is you've got to pick and choose your battles. And for me, you know, social media is a tool. We, we have a, a steadfast rule even today. We never post anything about where we are, to where we are. Yet, you go out there and you see practitioners out there posting. In fact, um, Frank Rodman from Torchstone, uh, you know, he was highlighted in an article, Michael Dell's daughter, and Frank had been his detail leader at the time, and pulled her aside when she was in her late teens and said, hey, you have to, in the early days of social media, you have to stop posting pictures of you and your brother by the cars, by the jet. Uh, and a few years ago, she uh, she wrote an article that was featured in a mainstream magazine that said, now as a mother of young kids, she gets it, how absolutely asinine that was. So the point being is, how do we as the experienced practitioners drive that point home to some of these younger professionals or, or up-and-coming professionals, even to be Even some older ones. And even some older ones. How do we drive the point home that says... This is a really bad idea. It's and a mentality. It's a mentality. <coughs> if, you, yeah. if you don't have the mentality, I mean, what does a duck do? Anybody hear duck hunt? What does a duck do? A duck looks calm and cool on the water, but underneath the water, it's moving. Like it's moving, moving but it's not letting everybody know how fast it's moving, right? I mean, if you ever just sit and watch a duck, you're like, that thing looks so calm, but underneath the water, it's going. It's it's processing everything going on. It's, it's listening for predators. Um, I think that the duck is the perfect example of the best EP agent, right? Because it's constantly ready to get out of Dodge. It's constantly moving, it's constantly thinking. And, you know, I sit and watch ducks through glass all the time. Uh, and I can tell you, you know, it's interesting because when I go and watch some of the details that we have going on, I, I see some young guys that, I mean, I got one guy on a detail right now in a family office, and I'll tell you, he's. He's young, he's like 25, he's never been in the military, went to an EP course, and he's solid. But, you know, his dad was like, you know, SF or, you know, raised him up. So he has a mentality to where all the threats, everything, like he's processing the data and the stuff he's seeing. So I think it's a lot about mentality. If I'm hearing, just well, think about build it now. Well, think about it also, it's, it's like football or soccer for, for the Brits in the room. You know, we get somebody and they join the team, you know, team, uh, team Red 5 or Team BDI, Torchstone or whatever company you're in, um, uh, North Group, whatever company you're in here, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm a linebacker or I'm a forward or center, whatever the appropriate thing would be. Now I have a bit of, I'll say fame, but I have a bit of a station. And maybe perhaps part of the, the answer here is mentoring. I think what I'm hearing also is like to help mentor. Like, hey, look, you're you're the quarterback or you're the star forward for, for Arsenal. You're now making X amount a year, and here you go. Just do your thing. But nobody's really talking to these folks, old or young, to say, here's how you manage yourself in the industry. Because you see this also like, hey, I came from the government. We did things a certain way in the government. Well, that ain't the way it is in the dot-com land. Or vice versa. You know, I came from the corporate world, and now I'm in a government space or quasi-government space. We don't do that here. And I think part of it, maybe the answer is mentoring, because if you think about it, you know, I wrote that thing, I don't know, 15 years ago about the slices of, of uh, executive security, and it, it makes me think like everyone thinks there's an entry. 
you said man guarding earlier, um, Felony. I mean, you see these issues where, like, I think uh, there was a couple guards at a nightclub that lit somebody up, killed somebody who wasn't even in their area that they were supposed to be guarding because they saw something happening and thought, well, we, we need to go do something. Are they EP? Mm. Are they not? But if you look generically across the board in media, it all kind of gets glommed into EP. And I was thinking about what you said about contractors and thinking about what you were saying about, uh, Joe, about uh, surveillance and thinking about like driving or all the various aspects. You know, maybe as part of the mentoring, we need to help understand people like where do you fit in this security supply chain called protection and what are the, the things we need to consider around that? You know, Joe set it up kind of for you, like a softball there. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to hit it. Um, there are a lot of people in this room right now that are working on standards. There is no standard mm -hmm. in the United States for EP, period. Mm -hmm. Everybody does what they want to do, and they say it's what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no standard. So and they say it is the way. It's right. the way. Right. Yeah. It's the way. So we, we have that underlying tone here where until that happens, there isn't, people are going to do whatever the hell they want to do, as long as they're getting paid. Wow, wow, wow. But they could still remain great. Because Gray could still sell? Okay. I don't know, uh, Robert, uh, I haven't come to you yet. What, what, are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, the interesting thing that we've been facing recently are young clients that we are serving and their understanding of what they think is good. And that also comes from social media and kind of going back to managing client expectations. So I have, you know, say a recent client that wants to go out very visible, high net worth, wants to go to all these sporting events, but wants this super big secret service looking detail because that's what he expects to have but doesn't understand the the more low vis and the more gray we actually are that's what we we give to them but they don't want that and, and that's with some of our very young high net worth clients that we're serving right now so managing that client expectation i think is equally as important as you know getting people coming out of the mill which you know steve and i work with a lot of those folks that come out and they're like yeah i can do everything and have done everything, that's great, but what can you refrain from doing and, and keep that look away? Some of those guys come out and you know exactly who they were just because of the look that they have or where they were where they were working. So the big thing that I've struggled with recently is trying to manage the expectation of the client of what good looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's been, you know, it, it comes from within as well through pe with people coming up and what their expectation is because of the popular accounts they may follow on social media and what they see all over, uh, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, it's cool, um, it looks neat, but on the other flip side of that, that's what a lot of the clients that are coming up mm -hmm. are seeing as well. So you trying to figure out how to manage what their expectation of good is is extremely important and has been quite difficult with some of our some clients that we've been serving recently. Back to the standards question, if you were to take this group and some other providers we all know and say, we're going to adopt an idea that we're following some sort of a group um, on um, IPSD or someplace that says, here are the golden rules. This, these are the standards. And the, the companies follow that. They implemented a mentorship program. They, they followed the standards and started to push that out. That could be a very powerful place to do this because the group, to your point, might, might self-regulate at that point and go, Johnny's not the guy. I mean, have you been on the detail with Johnny or Susie's terrible and you know, she posts everything and 
they'll self-regulate to some extent, but the companies themselves can do that. Yeah. We all have to kind of agree on what those are. And then we were asked a few, two years ago, to set to be part of a group, ASIS, and then some of the bigger firms, bigger companies in North Virginia and California, some of the bigger companies out in California, Palo Alto, called us in and said, hey, we want you to establish the standards of, of medicine and security. And there were two issues we saw right after that. Was one, you don't know, so you can steal IP, that part of it. And there was, the second issue was, they already had, it was a self licking spoon. They already, already determined in this group that we're only gonna say AED first aid, TACC, and CPR. That we don't, and they literally said, we don't, we, we don't want to push an EP agent to have anything more than that because no one wants to sustain those levels of certification. They don't want EMT, EMR, paramedic, PA position. And we basically said, thank you, not interested. That's not practicing medicine and security, right? That's setting a low threshold, that's putting a gold coin on the desk, and it's a little ribbon saying, you have this, and thus you are. Right. right, you yeah. are the chief. You're gonna now we're gonna sell a line item. We're gonna add a couple line items on this bill, and you're gonna pay more for this protective medic. But you're not actually protect. You're not actually professionalizing. And we said no. We're not gonna be part of this group. We're not interested in presenting in this because we're professionalizing this in this industry. Um, but the best part of the standard, though, is you can be better than the standard. Correct. Sure. Right. Correct. It sets the floor, not yeah. the ceiling. Right. 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 I sense we really want to talk standards, but I really want to talk great. <laughs> I, 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 I think the point in all that is to get the standards, which to be clear, I'm all for. But to get the standards, we need best practices. Yeah. Sorry, gang. Right. And yeah. I'm happy to argue that all day. Yeah, best and yeah. part of the best practices, because we also have to understand this is a business, everyone in this room, is monetizing security in one fashion or another. And if we make it untenable for the end user, guess what? We're all right. we're all on social media talking about how we can, you know, we can, you know, drop kick someone. But I think as part of the best practices spelling, the idea that we need to institute in that is the idea of the great professional. Mm -hmm. What's what's great what's best practices for, for the great professional? Well, you kind of do this, you don't do that, you kind of do this, understand where you are, do all that stuff. And that goes back to the standards question, it goes back to mentoring, it goes back to when we have folks that are coming out of service that have been, you know, with, you know, we're not operators in this room, we do security operations. There are needs for operators, I think Steve said it earlier, those are special cases and that requires that who's ever at the top of that chain has done a good risk assessment and says, I need operators for this. But for this one, I need security practitioners. Why? Different risk, different threat. But maybe benchmarking and mentoring and, and bringing that into the conversation. So, and, and that's an interesting point you bring up, you know, when we talk about standards, because we, we've talked about it, but a bunch of people in this room. We'll talk about ethics, but what about the great man? What is profession? How do you define professional behavior? Well, quite honestly, in this profession, uh, unlike some others, it's pretty easy to define, mm -hmm. right? There's a pretty bright line of what is considered acceptable, mm -hmm. again, from a risk management standpoint. And, and that's part of the challenge, I think, and Steve, we had talked about this uh, ad nauseum. We're risk managers, and yet we're bringing people into the profession or people are trying to make their way into the profession that seem to not understand the context of risk. Everything you do poses a potential risk. Everything you as a practitioner does poses a potential risk to the client, right? Uh, 
I hearken back to my days at running a detail for a tech company. I had three business cards. The one I handed out the most said operations analyst, because I could get the most done on that business card. I could walk into a hotel and talk to somebody, hey, my boss is coming in. I'm just an analyst with the company, but we'd like to you know, give the right impression. We'd like to do the right thing. Very few people outside of a very tight circle in the company even knew that I was providing executive protection to the CEO. And I think we've lost some of that. Do you think mentoring is part of it? What, what, is, what do we mean when we say professional behavior? What, what makes James Bond cool? And, and feel like even this definition of James Bond doesn't talk about being James Bond. Right. I want to also right. right. turn in critique of this, though, yep. in that the, the lack of self-regulation primarily stems from an unwillingness to actually call people out. So an individual may be blacklisted, but if you're unwilling to step forward and say, this particular group, this particular set of individuals, or this company performs badly, you aren't self-regulating. And so, particularly the higher up people in here, you're failing on the Huntingtonian standard of professionalization if you're unwilling to step forward and do that critique. We've been, we've been, we've been, we operate. I think we have a lot of, but if I may, but if I may, before we get into the whole flame war stuff, which I'm not a fan of, I think the better way is like, hey, Steve, it's Chuck. Can we get on the phone? Yeah. Hey, brother, what's going on with you? How are you doing? What's happening? Hey, your guy was out, and I don't know what he was thinking, or, or, you know, hey, you know, your agent was out and she did this. Then I immediately let's, let's go to Billy, and I'm and I and I'm now and so this is this is my thing because you bring yeah. up a really good point. No do from a from a practitioner, right? Because. Because I, I get this all the time. We have a no-show on our on our guard division, which I hate. I wish it would just go away, because the guard world sucks. But you all know that. But you know, there's a there's a monetization with that. Some of our healthcare clients and what have you. So, but with our guard side, I get that call. I don't care how much money. I'm not going to charge that customer, and I'm going to have a conversation with the employee or the contractor. And I think that's a really good point because a lot of times. And this is why a lot of bad blood happens in the industry. Um, and it creates publication on social media. It creates toxicity in the industry. Because I think that, you know, he took a job for me because Devin Tola sent it to him versus me. But we're all staffing the same. Here's the thing. We're all running in the same pond. And it's really important to know this, that when we screw up ownership, we have to own it. I've screwed up a dozen times in business. But I have mentors that are keeping me honest, telling me what to do, how to own it, how to fix it. But if I screw up there, the practitioner's gone, right? The the contractor's gone, and then I owe and then I owe him time and money. Well, think about this though too. Say we're we're all we all just started. And if you had somebody that quietly, you know, instead of like you're on social media, man, that guy screwed up or that girl screwed up, and then it's all over. And now ego is involved. And hubris is involved, and that's a whole different conversation that we don't have time for. But as opposed to, Tristan calls me up and says, hey, Chuck, this is Tristan. I'm from blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's going on? Hey, look, I saw you did this. I want to give you some feedback. I'd like you to understand this is not what professionals do. And you seem like a good. Now I have an opportunity to course correct. I can take that feedback like an apple, take what I want out of it, throw the rest away. I might be embarrassed. But at the end of the day, you haven't outed me in front of my entire tribe. And now, before I even have a chance to correct and we come back and go, okay, I got it. Thank you. If you think, I think about my own career, 
some of my best things have been when someone has taken time to say, I think you're a good kid, you kind of mess that up, professionals don't do that, and you're like, okay. One being from General Norman Schwarzkopf on something I messed up on. He was, he was wise enough to take me in his room and say, hey, I don't feel like you got a place in this industry. Professionals don't do that. To that, to that point, for a lot of organizations, and it's not only for bringing on new agents, but also on the subcontracting side, subcase side, how many organizations have a social media policy that is shared with new staff going on board? Are you onboarding them? Are you training them for expectations? Know what they can and cannot do? Um, not only your in-house staff, but your sub-Q staff as well. Um, and that's something that's I think is not really enforced. It's not a common practice. It should be. It should be a, a current best practice. But it's a great point. It's not used. Well, so, that, so most of this stuff moves so fast. Sure. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to onboard 15, 20 right. guys. Yeah, need, need, need the paper work done. Yeah, time. I mean, you can always find some of them. All right, on, onboarding, absolutely. Uh, that's another angle we, we, we could have got down, I suppose, and vetting and you know, deep diving. And, and, then, and then there's the, what about fresh skins, people who haven't committed a, a crime but are li <laughs> likely to. And then, anyway, uh, Mike? Uh, Brandon and uh, Andrew, why don't I, I come to you to say, well, how can we get this to inform tomorrow's debate? What, 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 do you, what do you think when we're talking modernization and ostensibly we've been talking about the modern or the new practitioner, how can this kind of influence what we're doing tomorrow? I think we can uh, you know, kind of formulate it in, in as far as being a great man, great woman, great professional. Um, yeah, I'd like to maybe head a little bit more on the social media side. Um, everybody's kind of hit on different topics regarding that and professionalism and image. Um, but we also have to remember, anyone can be anything on the internet. Mm -hmm. Anyone can portray themselves as a professional. Um, anyone can lie about their training, their credentials. How many people say, let me see your DD-214, let me see your credential for this or, or that. At the end of the day, a lot of us are consultants and people pay us for our opinions, whether they be right, right, wrong, or indifferent. So we do have to police ourselves um, and, and hold our personnel at, at, at a higher standard. And I think that, that, that goes into Chuck's point of mentorship. We as leaders of this industry are beholden to the people that work for us that we subcontract and our clients to mentor and set standards, not the, not the bare minimum, because that's all a standard is, exceed those standards. Um, and that's just gonna be an ongoing issue. We're, we're never going to perfect it. We're always gonna tr keep trying to strive to, to be better and correct issues. And like flaming people on the internet, that's not gonna help. You know, we're all human, we all have egos, and we all get angry. And we can't let anger dictate how we're going to uh, move forward. In I have a question for you on that. Do you think that point is why you see the ideas of like stoicism and stuff suddenly popping up as like people now? And you see all this because I wonder if it's the other side of people are tired. Public, where like I'm, I'm awash in all the social media stuff, and now I need I need a different way to think about it. So you know, I think I. That's an interesting that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Other, other people, you know, are probably tired of being awash in, in the mess and sink. But then taken, you know, we don't have to mention any names here, but um, there are people that need 
them of themselves are celebrities as a bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Who would hire them? Somebody who doesn't know any better. <coughs> yeah. To some people, they look like the best thing since pants with pockets. We, we took a sort of bridge between not blasting on social media to what you had pointed about holding your people accountable. Protective medicine is not, medicine's not new, security is not new, but what we're doing combining the two is, is new. I have gone to not blast people on the internet by any means, but when someone says, hey, I'm a new paramedic in this field, and I'm, or I'm selling TCCC class, and I'm going to upcharge it, I have gone on to professionalize to say, that's awesome, congratulations, I love it. Make certain, make certain that your company is as you aligned with a medical director that has you properly insured, that has that has you a state license, that has, because just like EP, you're registered under a business license as a medical provider, paramedic, you are registered under a physician's license and linked to an EMS agency. And I've gone out there to say, these are the things you need to do, make sure you check on that. And for the professionals that are doing it, you're taking these trainings, great, love it, continue forward. But, and I've gotten blasted back from some folks saying, oh, well, we don't, that's not how it works in Florida or Pennsylvania, so that's fine, just food for thought, you know. But to your point, you have to self-regulate without being, shame on you for not doing X, Y, Z. Well, can we keep that for our wonderful protective mobility and medevac session just uh, next. I, I, I want to keep this momentum going and I hope this short break won't uh, dampen our enthusiasm. Um, but, but, but yeah, thanks, thanks for this, uh, this opener. I think this is really a great testament to the format. What an awesome group. Thank you very much to Samaritan for hosting it. You know, that roundtable discussion, I think, lends itself to hash out a lot of the contemporary questions that people have with the grey professional. What do you think, Elijah? No, I think it's exactly how we build it. It was a roundtable, a lot of different opinions and viewpoints. But the great thing about it, it's opinions and viewpoints that are presented by subject matter experts. So it's people who have been there and done that in the field, uh, people who uh, have, the, have the bona fides to actually talk about those things. And I think they presented some things to the listeners that they can kind of chew on and go, okay, yeah, I didn't, I didn't look at things like that. Uh, or, you know, I might, I might challenge that. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about our industry is that we're not monolithic. And so if there's, uh, a topic that you you want to learn more about, I encourage you, like, dig into that, research that, you know, uh, the, the great thing about social media is you can reach out to to some of these individuals and, and you know, get some more of their perspective and their take on the situation and, and learn and grow from it, which is also, again, uh, a wonderful thing about our podcast. Exactly. And, and as last week's uh, session with uh, Mike Cannon revealed, we do have some very dedicated listeners. He, he recanted to me... Uh, all or not recounted, recounted all sorts of different quotes from the the, the podcast, uh, which, which was which was brilliant. Um, oh yeah, 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 for sure. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'm on the socials a lot, and every once in a while, somebody will put a a quote up on one of the socials that came from an episode of the podcast, and I always think that's pretty cool. Wow, no, that is that is really good news, and of course, we do love to hear it if something, you know, excites you, something captured your imagination. Um. On the on on the on the subject of 
the event we 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 made sure by the way it, because on this recording you will hear that we said we're going to present it at a conference the next day also in uh, virginia we did mm -hmm. we uh we had chuck randolph's panel and treston wheat's panel and we used a lot of this feedback for the convergence conference that we had the next day so in in a way that's an interesting format too because this served as pre-preparation for the physical cyber convergence forum um, which was predominantly protectors but it also showed that people are happy to not be great even in dc where so many people have had a history of being gray you you mm. you, you know what i mean i think i think that really mm. uh, fed into it we also talked about courses standards fake rambo real rambo <laughs> visible uh professionals invisible professionals whether or not it's just a semblance of safety real safety we really mm -hmm. did run the gambit with this topic oh i agree I, you know so many different viewpoints so many different uh individuals that kind of come from different sectors of the marketplace so uh, getting them together in one place i gotta say kudos to you brother because you know having these events being able to put multiple events on, being able to do them on different states and different continents. I mean, this is really impressive. So, so a salute to you, sir. Well, thank you. And we've definitely got to have you at the next one. Um, Jeez, so, I got to make one of these. I know, I know. Um, so talking about what's next, what's next for you, Elijah? Oh, well, you know, what's next for me, hopefully is a vacation. Uh, that's what we were just talking about offline. And I'm going to have a little bit of time to myself to, the, uh, the beginning of this year was nuts in terms of my operational schedule. So I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. Um, I might be incommunicado, so uh, the phone won't be on. However, on the other side of that, end up getting really busy again. I have another course with uh, ESI. We'll be doing that in Colorado in July. So if anybody's interested in that, they can reach out. Or if you're in the NABA Protector app, you can jump on there on the events page and catch the dates. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. And then in August, there's another conference, right? Yeah, thank you. Apropos August, 17th of August, back in Phoenix for the seventh annual Convergence Forum. And That's the one I'm going to try and make, brother. It, that it, one. Yeah, we're not promising you'll be there, but we're encouraging <laughs> that you'll be there. Because I don't want people to turn up and go, where's Elijah? You know, it's... Yeah, I don't want to hate either. It's um, it, it, it's really good that protectors can see convergence. And I think you've said this uh, before, Elijah, not the who you're going to be strategy, but who you're going to call strategy, because it, we're not saying that you need to be a TSCM actuarial scientist, legal expert right. or whatever. It Convergence is much more about I'm this. I am not that. But how can I integrate it? Which I which I think is quite an exciting uh, field you still end up looking like a genius to the client because you know the resources to call, the people that can get the job done. So you're still involved in the process, but there's only so much in terms of uh, the level of, of skill set that someone can absorb. So if you're great, you, you can't be great at all things. You can try for sure. But you know, I, I, I love having the ability to be able to call some people who I know are experts in these particular segments of the marketplace and they can help me out when I have, have a need which is what we're trying to do with the podcast to consider the canon of the podcast as your resource to call upon too, because we listed that was a great thematically. Segue, by the way. That was, that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we, we listed thematically. We bring the pages of the magazine to life and 
that should hopefully continue our great discussion. Um, anything you want to contribute to the magazine, I'm sure we're very, very receptive to it for the next issue. And keep all the BBA Connect and NABA Connect uh, app activity gum, uh, coming. It, it, it's great to have it all on. But from Elijah and myself, great professionals. Wow, what a great cast. Thank you to you all. And thank you to Samaritan for hosting it. This has been another very special edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.